The following program originally appeared on Tor.com and is being resyndicated here by io9. Hosted by John Joseph Adams and David Barr Kirtley. Hi, I'm David Barr Kirtley. And this is John Joseph Adams. Okay, welcome everyone to the first episode of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. This is, uh, you can tell your grandkids you are here for this. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. We'll be interviewing Chet Balasek from Valve Software, a lead writer on Left 4 Dead 2. And we'll just be talking about zombies and video games. Um, and the end of the world. And the end of the world. Um, so that's all, all coming up just a bit later on the show. Uh, we're going to start out by talking about Valve software for folks maybe who aren't gamers, who don't know how, how special they are and how awesome and uh, why we're so excited to have uh, Chad on the show today. So, so Valve software really came to prominence uh, with uh, Half-Life, which was just a really exciting, groundbreaking game when it came out. The story of Half-Life was very similar to Doom, which had been a big hit before that. But really, the only way you would know what the story of Doom was is if you had read the instructions manual, because <laughs> um, there was really no other way you would know. I mean, the, the instruction manual talked about scientists at a top-secret facility on Mars' moon Phobos doing experiments with interdimensional transportation, and they inadvertently rip a dimensional portal into hell, and demons start streaming out. But in the actual game, you never saw any scientists or equipment opening up portals or, or anything like that. Essentially, you start the game and you turn around a corner and you're shooting guys. I was just going to say, you know, I think, Dave, the problem is that you see, but you do not observe. Obviously, there are all kind of clues throughout Doom to clue you in on all that backstory. And clearly, you're just not paying close enough attention. Oh, okay. okay, okay, perspicacious one. What are, uh, <laughs> what are some of these clues? Actually, I just made that up. <laughs> That's not true at all. You're, you're totally right about that. Okay. And and so it was was interesting that really what Valve did with Half-Life is essentially tell the same story, but actually introduce it in such a way that you knew that that's what the story was. Uh, I mean, in Half-Life, it's you probably play the game for 10 minutes or so, so before you actually shoot anybody. Uh, it, it starts out with this very cinematic opening where you're riding this monorail that, that kind of takes you through the lab facility. And so you sort of see some of the areas that you'll be exploring later in the game. So what's happening is it's your first day of work, and you're the new guy. And there's sort of a recorded voice on this monorail making announcements about things that are going on at the lab. And so in, immediately it feels like a real place. And, you know, you kind of go in the front door and you meet some of your coworkers and they show you around and you get your equipment and you take part in this experiment. Then they inadvertently rip a portal through to another dimension and, and sort of aliens start coming out and, and killing everybody. And then the fun begins. Uh, but but it feels so much more real because you've sort of been grounded in, in the reality of, of this uh, environment. And they made some really interesting choices in, in presenting the world. One, one thing they did is that there are no cutscenes. In a lot of games, you would have a cutscene where you would stop playing for a while and you would watch your character having a conversation or whatever. And in Half-Life, the game never stops. That People walk up to you and they talk to you and sort of scripted events in the game happen. And if you're not looking in the right direction, you might miss them. Um, another kind of interesting thing they did is that your character never talks. So I, I assume they did that so that you don't hear somebody else's voice 
that's supposed to be you. You know, you're like, that's not my voice. That's not what I sound like. It, it feels like it's you there. For Left 4 Dead 1, they kind of do something similar, all, although it's a little bit different. Um, they uh, open with this movie that loads when, uh, when you pop the game in, and it basically shows you how to play the game. Because Left 4 Dead has zombies, which are like, you know, sort of regular zombies as we think of zombies, but it's also got these things they call special infected, which are these sort of super zombies, but they all have these different abilities. Like one is a tank, it's called the tank, and so it's sort of this big, huge hulking thing, and it will, you know, throw cars at you and beat you to a pulp with its fist. Um, and there's one called a smoker, which has like a long tongue that will shoot out and lasso you and strangle you uh, while your friends uh, have to try to help free you. And there's one called a hunter that sort of pounces and, and then you need your friend's help. But throughout the movie, they just sort of show all these things happening to the survivors from like a third person point of view. And so as you watch this little opening movie, which is no more than two minutes long or so, you, you basically learn everything you need to know about the game. One of their other games, uh, Portal, it's a puzzle game within um, using a first person shooter um, like game engine. So like you basically have to figure out how to get through a level by using these portals. Like you have this gun that fires portals. And so you fire a portal on one wall. The next portal you fire will open up like sort of an interdimensional portal between those two places. So you walk through one wall and you come out on the other one where the other portal was. So you basically, that's your tool that you have in the game. And you have to use that to get, get past all the levels. And there's all these mechanical things that are trying to kill you. And, and when you mentioned puzzles, I mean, there were a lot of puzzles in Half-Life 2 that really took advantage of the game's advanced physics engine. I mean, that was really the distinctive thing. Uh, there, there was this gun called the Grav Gun, where you could use it to pick up essentially any object in the game and fire it away from you at high velocity. And if, say if you were to shoot uh, one of the supports of a bridge, the whole bridge might collapse in a realistic manner. And, and when you listen to us talk about Valve, you know, you just listen to the games we mentioned, right? Half-Life, Half-Life 2, Portal, Left 4 Dead. There's not a single weak link in their catalog. I think it's worth mentioning about Valve, too. One of the things that I've always uh, appreciated about them is that they, they really put a, a strong emphasis on good writing in the video games. Like, for instance, Mark Laidlaw is, like, I, I believe he's like the credited like creator of Half-Life. And, uh, you know, he was a, a science fiction fantasy writer, you know, long before he'd be, or I don't know, maybe he was doing it simultaneously, but I mean, he was certainly known as a science fiction fantasy writer before he became known as the creator of Half-Life. So w whether or not the person working on the game is uh, like, you know, an established writer or not, they obviously care very much about the story in their game. And for the audience of Tor.com, who obviously like reads a lot of books and, uh, and likes movies and story and so forth, uh, I think it's worth pointing out that like, you know, even if you're not much of a gamer, like you can probably appreciate a lot of these Valve games because of that emphasis on story they have. I guess when, you, when you're talking about Portal, it occurs to me that Portal started out as a third party mod that some, some students, as I understand it, had programmed in the essential mechanics and, and Valve saw that and, and said, wow, that's, that's really cool. Let's make a retail product out of this. The sort of third-party mod community has been really important in the development of, of Valve's products. I, I heard that, uh, you know, um, Counter-Strike was uh, a sort of counterterrorism first-person shooter, was a mod of the Half-Life engine originally. And I guess one of the things, you know, people started programming bots, uh, you know, artificially intelligent opponents. And so one of the mods someone made, you're, you have guns and your opponents are all hordes of terrorists with knives and they all just come at you. It's a sort of last stand kind of thing where you just have to try to hold out against these hordes of enemies. And mm -hmm. the Valve looked at that mod and said, wow, that's great. Mm -hmm. You know, let's do something like that. And that, that's where the essential mechanic of Left 4 Dead came from. 
Yeah, actually, uh, there's something similar to that in Left 4 Dead where they have different modes of the game. Like, you know, the typical mode is you have four survivors trying to survive the zombie apocalypse, right? And if you're playing by yourself, you have three AI teammates. Um, if you're playing online with your friends, um, you know, then you can have four human teammates or three human teammates and four people total, including you. But there's another mode called survival mode, um, which you're not trying to survive the mission. You're not like trying to get from point A to point B, which is the how the typical game works. But in survival mode, it just puts you in one of the one of the scenario locations and you and your buddies, you just have to survive against the clock for as long as possible. And like so the, the hordes of zombies just never stop coming. It's like they just keep coming and coming and coming and you will die. You will. You definitely will because there's no winning this. It's just you're playing against the clock. And it's like that's such a cool, innovative thing to put in the game. And it's surprisingly addictive. Like, you know, I've, I've played it online with uh, friends a couple times and it's like and we'll and, and we've done it just like over and over. Like, it's like, oh, come on. We, we did so well that time. And it's like, you know, we, we're so close to breaking our, our record. All right. And so I guess it's now time to introduce our guest. Um, our interview uh, this week is uh, Chet Balasek, uh, a game designer with uh, Valve Software. Um, he's the lead writer on Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. And so let's get Chet on the phone. Hello. Hi, this is Dave and John from Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Hello, guys. Thanks for joining us on the show. So first of all, could you just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what's your background, and what were you doing before starting at Valve? So uh, me and uh, Eric Wolpach had started a gaming kind of website called Buff Our Old Man Murray, and we had done that, and then we'd actually gone freelance writing for some magazines and websites, as well as uh, Eric had done a stint at Double Fine, and then Valve in 2004 uh, contacted us and asked us if we wanted to come out here and work, and it was really that simple. We we had known them for a long time, since they first released Half-Life, and had traded emails back and forth for a long time. And in fact, at one point, we had a smack alias with them where they could just send us hateful email, and we would reply. And so it, it was kind of a long-running relationship with Valve. So what what's your writing process like there? I mean, do you have script meetings? I mean, is there even a script? Uh, how does that work? We actually do most of the writing in a database because it's 10,000 lines. A traditional script starts falling apart there, and especially we like to take our writing right from the written word to the um, studio to record it, and then that also lives in we understand where it's being played, when it's being played, how it's being played, and when we need to do things like generate closed caption, we can do it right from that same file. We can also, um, when we need to send it off to localizers, we can do it in that file, and they can send it back to us in a file that we can just easily hook up. Are you involved with your recording? I mean, are you present for that? Oh, yeah, yeah. If uh, the Kind of the rule is if you write it or if you're going to animate it, you're in those sessions. Uh, could you talk about Left 4 Dead? Um, how did that come about and what was your role on the project? For Left 4 Dead 1, there was a company called Turtle Rock, which had kind of come up with the beginning nugget of the game. And I had expressed uh, interest in it with uh, Gabe Newell, the owner of the Valve, and he's just like, we'll go work on it. We're real loose that way. You can kind of pick what you want to work on. And even though they weren't at the time a Valve, product. He was fine with me working on it. Over the course of that, I took kind of on more and more responsibility and became one of the project leads, and we eventually purchased Turtle Rock and Left 4 Dead. So besides just writing, I had some other duties underneath there. And then Left 4 Dead 2, it kind of continued on in that way. Uh, Tom Leonard actually led the project, and I filled in in some other ways. At Valve, you rarely just do one thing. Everybody, it's not like I'm saying, like, oh, I did all this crazy stuff. Everybody really contributes in a multitude of ways. 
So like what other roles besides writer do you fulfill? Well, you sit in like in character creation, world creation, um, with the level designers, with gameplay, um, you know, all the way from new monsters to how the level's going to work out. Equally, the level designers are also thinking in story terms and coming back with ideas. The artists, the same thing as we kind of flush out the world. So you do kind of game designer stuff? Yeah, everybody. We don't have game designers at Valve. Everybody's a game designer. When you play the game, is there a material that you wrote when one of the characters says a line and you say, hey, that's my line? The weird process is um, with 10,000 lines and I've written the bulk of them, I don't... It, Valve, Valve's a place where you, you learn not to worry about standing up and yelling, this is me, this is me. <laughs> and honestly, by the end of the process, I really can't tell most of the time just because um, it's a long process. It's a lot of lines, it's a lot of being in the character and thinking about them where, where the lines don't seem as written as just being part of who that person is. And, you know, you go back and forth, and there's other writers that weigh in on the project as well. Uh, Jay Pinkerton and Eric Wolpaw helps with Love for Dead 2. And, you know, it really becomes this thing of by the time the lines that get in the game, since I also hook up the audio and kind of play editor on that side of it, I, it's hard for me to discern what lines are mine and which aren't. Uh, so what are some of the games that, in your opinion, have the best writing? Outside of Valve games. Mm -hmm. The Modern Warfare series, I actually, I, you know, I really, really like kind of what they do there of just kind of taking a Jerry Bruckheimer film and letting you play it and letting you experience these really kind of big, meaty roles. GTA 4, um, while I thought there was a weird mix of the seriousness of the beginning of the game versus the world that you still lived in was this kind of comical world, I really like some of the stuff they did in there. I play a lot of games that's whatever I've been playing recently that I'm going to think about the most. Definitely, there's been other games, like I thought what Irrational did with Bioshock was really interesting. So, you know, John and I both work in, in book publishing, so I think we're just kind of curious if you have any favorite authors or if there are any authors who are popular around the office there. Um, well, well, around the office, there's, there's a million different people. One of the things, just for the Left 4 Dead world, was kind of influential, was um, I just finished reading The Road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And re really liked the lack of just world background, of just being thrust into that and not caring, and just kind of really liking and rolling with it. Um, and that's something with Lufford had one that kind of really pushed through to have, where we weren't going to give the players any knowledge of what was going on. I mean, it was zombie apocalypse. Okay, you know, they've gotten their head some version of what that means, but not to tell it out, not to tell them the backstory of the infection or the backstory of the characters or any of that, but really just kind of just pick it up and run with it. Do you have any advice for listeners who want to write for video games? Just don't think video games are movies or that video games, I just used the modern warfare example, but they're their own thing. They can tell story in their own way. If you look at early Twilight Zone, they were really slow and almost painful with how they dealt with plot because the TV viewing audience wasn't that sophisticated back then, right? So they kind of had to really paint everything out for everybody. And they had to tell it in a very slow format where Video game players are really smart. They're really smart at digesting stories in, in little snippets or through the world. They're not even being told explicitly things. That's definitely something we embrace here of thinking that we don't have to be super explicit about things. We can plant seeds of things. We can give little payoffs. We can give little hints in the world that you passively can pick up or choose to ignore. And so the, for the people who do want more story, they're able to find it in the world without having it be explicitly told through cutscenes or some other way. And, you know, I think... 
as we look forward for games, I think the, the worst examples you see are people who try to say, we're going to make this a movie and you're going to have a movie-like experience instead of saying, this is a video game. This medium has a different thing it can do for you. Even as much as we tell story in our game, the best stories are going to be actually just empowering friends to tell stories to their friends about, hey, you know, we were playing last night and Dave got smokered right as we were getting into the escape vehicle and, you know, and they retell that story. And that's a hell of a lot better story than I'm going to write. And I don't want to impede on them either with that, with breaking up the gameplay and all of that. Games offer this really good shared experience that you don't see in other mediums. And it's kind of embracing that and pushing that further is what interests me. I'm not interested in, you know, I don't grab a book and go, oh, there's not enough moving pictures in here. I want to make it a movie. But yet people do that with video games where they want to make it another medium instead of embracing the medium that it is. One of the new things in Left 4 Dead 2 is the addition of melee weapons. I was wondering how difficult yeah. was it to implement that into the existing game, and how much did the playtester cackle with delight the first time they sliced a zombie in half with a katana? So we started with that by redesigning the entire weapon system, because we wanted to make sure that the look and feel of all the weapons were cool and also easy for us to expand so we can keep adding to that, because we found out the minute we put in the first melee weapon that it was really cool feeling, and... Mm -hmm. With that, we were going to want to be able to do more, so we ended up delivering 10 melee weapons. We kind of stopped there because we wanted each to have a unique feel and different characteristics to that. But yeah, the first time actually is the frying pan. The first time you mm -hmm. smack something in the head with a frying pan, even before we had everything down right where it felt perfect, it still felt really good. Yeah, frying pan's still my uh, ringtone on my phone. <laughs> so that was partially just not just even the action, but the sound and everything about it. And when we first showed it at E3, even, I don't think we kind of quite had it, everything pulled together right to make them really feel right. And, and you know, obviously by the time we, we shipped, we had gotten that down for the 10 we shipped with, where I think they all feel really good. And it ties into the gore system. If we didn't have the new gore system where you can chop off arms and legs and decapitate people, it wouldn't have felt nearly as good. So there's a lot of different pieces pulled together that in the final product, when you do swing a katana and chop someone up, it feels good. Speaking of the katanas, why are there so many freaking katanas in that mall? And uh, why are there so many cans full of gas in the mall? It's good to know that if there's a zombie apocalypse, you know, we're going to be, you know, very well stocked with, you know, weapons all over the place and lots and lots of gas. It was very convenient in that scenario. Well, you may have not noticed the katana splash gas can store. <laughs> and where's spread across the mall. Yeah, I, I wish there was a, a store like that in my mall, you know, because, I mean, I could use a katana now and then. Uh, has there been, uh, you are talking about the story uh, in Left 4 Dead a little earlier, and, uh, you know, has there been any, any interest in uh, from Hollywood in the franchise? Because uh, with the sort of improved narrative that you've uh, implemented in Left 4 Dead 2, where you sort of have this one scenario leading into the other, you kind of have a script already written. So, I mean, has Hollywood come calling? I think Hollywood wants to option everything. I think, <laughs> I think they, 10 bucks says they, the creator of Tetris they optioned for a movie. Our interest isn't in that. Our interest is in creating our own worlds and fleshing them out in the ways we want to and interacting with the community at that level. So, you know, we have no plans for that at this point. Anything we, like that that would happen would be done either with us or with the community. It's going to be in the same world in the right way that no one's saying, like, for example, The Road. I'm terrified to see the movie. I'm not going to see the movie. Because I really, really like the book. And mm -hmm. I look at the movie trailers, and I think it's an action film, and I'm like, okay, I want to go see it. <laughs> you always see that kind of separation happening, I think, with most IPs as they get taken over by that. Because movies have a different goal, right? They have the, the four quadrants they have to hit. They have to appeal. If you're going to spend any amount of money making them, they, you have to appeal to so many different groups and stuff. And 
you know, uh, we like we like Left 4 Dead. We we want to keep growing it and doing things interesting in that world. One of the characters, Ellis, he uh, throughout the game, he starts telling the group uh, all these different stories. Uh, but someone always cuts him off and says, "There's no time for that now." Will we ever get to hear how one of his stories ends? <laughs> yeah, we should probably hook some of those up so they <laughs> finish occasionally. Actually, here, here, I think there is a couple in there in-game that are really rare mm-hmm. that he does give a little bit more information. But yeah, Ellis is uh, a fun character to write for. I like how uh, he's sort of set up as a dumb hillbilly, but then he comes up with brilliant ideas occasionally. Like in the first scenario, he has the idea of how they save the day. And, you know, you sort of play him against that type that he appears to be. The game is set in the sort of southeastern United States uh, with the states look, sort of looking like Louisiana did uh, post-Katrina. And in the game, a couple of the characters take uh, pot shots at FEMA during the game. So did anyone 